All right. You guys seem very happy. <laughs> I'm happy too. Um, happiness is, is underrated. <laughs> People forget how important it is. They forget that the good news is called good news. It's, it's so often that people try to preach these glad tidings without joy. It doesn't work. <laughs> I pray most of the time before I speak, I say things like this to the Lord. I say, Lord, make me still enough to hear you. Give me joy so I don't misrepresent you. And put sweetness on my voice so you can kiss your people. These things are, are precious to me. So um, what I would really love to do is tell you a little story. But before I do that, I want to say, guys, it was like revival in here. Yeah. The, I, I turned to, to David Harris, who's a good friend of mine who's here from the UK right now. And uh, I, was, I went like this. I was like, bro, it feels like revival in here. Uh, what do you mean by that, Eric? I mean like there's a liveliness. Uh, there's a phrase uh, that, or actual word that was made up by T. Austin Sparks. Anybody know that name? T. Austin Sparks? Okay, write it down because he's, uh, he's a monster. <laughs> he, he, he made up a word called livingness. It doesn't exist, but he's trying to explain something. The, the liveliness, the livingness, the life itself and that's what was in the air tonight. It was like the livingness of God, his life in the midst of the sounds and erupting with energy in the people. This is what it was like in, in Brownsville. One little key caused the entire place to go up unto God. It was a wild atmosphere like this, very rich with uh, livingness. <laughs> so I just want to remind you again where you are and what you're doing here. It is so important to not get used to it. It's not happening everywhere, guys. This is not normal. You, you are here in the midst of a current. And praise God for it. Let's just take every nectar out while we're here. So I just want to freshly encourage you. And I know many of you are doing this. But I want to freshly encourage you to enjoy yourself. Enjoy every moment of this. Don't let this, that, and the other come in between you and the full enjoyment of your time here. The full enjoyment of each other. Because the wonderful thing about what's happening here is not just the sweet atmosphere of the re revival, but the fact that you have each other near each other. And you can enjoy one another. It's very important. These things are are so special because you will find God in your brother like you can't find him by yourself. Yeah. It's very important. He's given us to each other as faces to see his face. And if we will be selfless enough to look in each other's eyes and humble enough to go low and put another above yourself, you'll see Jesus everywhere you turn. So many people have a hard time finding where God is. It's because they put themselves so high above everybody they can't see him. But, it, but if you go low, you put other people above yourself, you'll see Jesus absolutely everywhere. It will be impossible. Even in the one that everyone thinks is just kind of off, you'll see Jesus right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like being the one that everybody thinks is off. I love that. 
So I want to tell you a, a little story, but I also want to say this too. Michael oh, and Jessica are building a habitation for him. Oh my goodness, when I was in worship here, I just thought to myself, wow, they're, 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 they love him so much, they want him to have a home. And that's what they're, they're doing here, and I just want to honor them both. And I know you guys honor them all the time, but I'm not here as often as you, and I just want to say publicly, I honor you guys for loving him enough to build him a, a home. Yeah. <laughs> So coolly, if you're watching, bro, I honor, I honor you, bro, and I love you with all my heart. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I also want to uh, just say uh, that I don't take lightly your ear. Okay, you have given me your ear for this little bit of time, so I'm going to give you into your ears things God put into my ears. Okay. I have found in my own life, not only do I have a conviction not to present him in a way that is not in keeping with the way he presented himself to me. Let me explain what I mean. I feel deep inside of my heart that it is very important that I present him the same way he presented himself to me. Because Jesus didn't just say the things that his father said. He said them as he said it. we got to grab his language, and not only his language, but his heart, so that we can deliver him the way that he wants to be seen. So many times we deliver the words that God told us to say, but we do it in a demeanor that's not his. And it, it literally causes a lot of the stuff not to land. So it's so much better just to literally renounce yourself completely and just do everything you saw him do. (laughs) You just give yourself over to the way it feels to give attention to him. So that your words that you give to the people are not so much articulations as they are getting into the feeling of God and trying to give the feeling of God to people. See, prophets are not just people who can tell you what's coming. Praise God for future events. Praise God for reading people's mail. That's all part of it. But I'll tell you something that's even more important. It's feeling his heart and articulating his heart. And it may not be rubber ducky when you were four. It may be simply this. God so loved the world. It may be something everybody knows, but it's what God is saying. This is the most important thing, okay? So I start off with that because I am so excited to share with you what God shared with me for you. Just a couple of days ago, I didn't know why, but the Lord started to give me a message. And I'm like, what is this? This is not what you told me to speak at at Jesus 18. What is this message? Then Michael calls and he says, hey, bro, you want to take the Sunday service? I said, oh, there it is. This is why. He was giving me this message. He woke me up in the middle of the night with the word Shama. And I opened up my eyes. I was like, oh, Shama. I was like, oh, Shama. <laughs> and as, as I begin to look into what it is, it's so amazing, this Hebrew word. It means to listen. 
And it's so crazy. Check it out. It's so crazy the way God is because the same word for listen is the same word for obey. Which shows you something. That God's never had in his mind you doing something. He's always had in his mind that you give him your attention so he can do everything. So here's your job. Listen. And here's his job to come in and perform the thing. This is the beauty of the new covenant. The fact that you can actually say there's nothing left for you to do. But to give your most intense attention to him. Because in hearing him, he puts inside of you a change in desire. And he gives you power to be able to do the thing. So that when the thing is performed, he did it. I just was reading Andrew Murray on the way over here to David. And Andrew Murray says, moment to moment, God desires to do it all himself. This is his ultimate desire, is that he would completely be unobstructed to do everything for you. Here's your job. Listen. Because it's in putting his words in that he changes you. First Thessalonians, Paul writes, it is the word that works in you. Do you hear it? It's when he speaks it to you, he performs it through you. If he can get it into you, he will do it through you. That's the beauty of the new covenant. So check this out. He also says in Colossians that the fruit of the gospel or the gospel is continually bearing fruit. This shows us something. That if you will listen, he'll give you his words and his words will work. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, it says that when he sends forth his words, they will not come back to him without accomplishing the thing for which he sent them. So here's your job. Shama. Listen. And as you listen, he will cause you to be in alignment with his person. Obedience is when a man's life is yielded to the extent that God can perform through the man the things he spoke to the man. I'll say it again. Obedience is when a man's life is yielded to the extent that God can perform the things through the man that he spoke to the man. Here's your job. Listen. <laughs> to give attention to him. Okay, so in the midst of this, the Lord had spoken to me out of Luke chapter 2. And the scripture talks about a man named Simeon. Simeon. Listen, guys, Simeon is where we get the name Simon, okay? Listen close, this is crazy. So God's speaking all these things to me, and I said, Lord, I need you to tell me for sure, this is what you want to say to, at the Jesus night. I need you to confirm it. My little daughter puts on Simon glasses from Alvin and the Chipmunks and comes walking into the room. She's walking in like this with Simon's glasses on, looking at me. I'm looking right at her like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> Simon. Eric, what does Simon have to do with Shama? Simon means listen. That's what Simon's name means. It actually means listening. So God is saying to you, this is the current word of the Lord. Listen to me. 
Remember when he manifests the, the, the majesty and splendor of Jesus? He says, this is my son. Listen to him. Give him your attention. What does it mean? What does this mean, listen? Eric, explain to me what listening means. Well, if you just look it up, you'll see that it has to do with attentiveness. Now, if that's not simple enough, it gets even simpler when you see that attention means the exclusion of all other things. Are you listening to me? To exclude all other things. Nothing else is allowed here. So this wonderful listening, this Simon, this Simeon, is what God is saying to you. Now, why would he want to talk to you about listening? It's because the atmosphere here is incredible. But it's not always going to be here. What do you mean, Eric? You're going to go back home. Some of you are going to go on vacation or what's it called, break, for a couple of weeks here. And you may not be around here. But if you don't know how to listen, there'll be no way for him to come in and be energy and life for you. Okay? I've told you guys this before, and I'll tell you again. In Brownsville, we saw glory clouds. We saw raining gold. We saw adoration erupting the roof off the place. We had classes that lasted 12 straight hours with glory. We had blankets of God would come in and knock down people in the classroom. Just the power of God, just knocking people down. Check it out. Many of those people are not walking with God today. Why? Because they didn't shama. They didn't listen. They didn't go into the simian, the listening life. If you don't slip into listening, there's no way for you to obey. You may think that you're obeying. But if uh, an obedience that doesn't come from listening has a bad origin. Eric, what are you saying? I'm saying even if you could obey God on your own, God wouldn't accept it. He's only pleased with Jesus. And if you'll receive Jesus as the word on the inside, Jesus can live through you and God will be glorified. Eric, this is too mystical. I don't understand. I'm sorry. It's just the scripture. So Luke chapter 2, if you want to read it with me, I'm going to read it to you. There's a couple of points God has me to lay out. Then I'm going to preach a simple gospel and we'll be, we'll be out of here. <laughs> At least that's what I think. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Luke chapter 2, it says this in verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Do you guys remember what Simeon means? I just told you. Hopefully you didn't forget. Okay. Listening. This man was righteous and devout. Look at this. The scripture says he was waiting. Oh, did you see it? He's waiting. (laughs) Listening and waiting are united. If you're listening, you're waiting. If you're waiting, you're listening. You can't separate them. There isn't a scalpel thin enough. You can't split them. They're the same thing. If, If you live attentive to God, you're waiting on God. If you're waiting on God, you're attentive to God. Now, we need to get this destroyed in our Christian mentalities that waiting is some type of a, I'm going to go through this until the moment. This is not what waiting is. Waiting is the disposition on the inside that is attentive to God at the exclusion of all other things. That's what waiting is. I'm not waiting for you until. 
I'm not waiting on you for. I'm waiting on you because it's my way of subjectivity and attentiveness to you. This is what waiting is. Okay? So Simeon is waiting. And he's listening. In other words, he's attentive to God at the exclusion of all other things. Are you seeing it? (laughs) Now the scripture goes on to say, And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Do you want the Holy Spirit to rest on your life? Then you better listen. People think sometimes that the Holy Spirit's just going to rest on their life and they just rush on and do what they want to do in his name. That's not the name of the game. We are subject to him. And as we're subject to him, he rests upon us. The, The beautiful picture of upon is that he's on top of. In other words, you're underneath him. And now what is this? The Holy Spirit is upon him, except that the presence of God is reigning over his life. How many of you want the presence of God to reign over your life? Okay, this... Listen, there's not another thing that interests me. I don't give a rip about anything else. I want the presence of God resting on my life. Okay? You can, listen, you can have all the gifts. Go ahead, take them. Praise God for them. And God will use you in them, whether you're right with him or not, because he's got an idea that that, that he's allowed to do whatever he wants. I don't know where he got it from. But the gifts, praise God for, I want his presence. You, you too? I just was in, in the UK, and I met this man. His, his name was Clive Jackson. He's, got a, he's a pastor in a church in the middle of, uh, where is it? Dorset. Listen, I sat down ate with the man, and then I took him into the other room, and I said, can I interview you for a second about the Holy Spirit? He said, sure. The moment he began to talk about the Holy Spirit, my entire body felt like I gained 400 pounds and I started to sink in the chair. I was tangibly feeling the glory of God rest on me. I was like, what the dang is going on right now? I was, I was like losing feeling. In my, I'm like, what in the world? It wasn't anything he said. He didn't say anything that was like incredible. It was what was upon him. The Holy Spirit rested upon Simeon. Because Simeon waited on God. Because Simeon listened to God. Because Simeon put away all other things and gave all his attention to God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Do you want the Holy Spirit to rest on your life? I just showed you how it's going to happen. Exclude everything else and give him all your attention. Bob Gladstone told us in Brownsville, he said, do you want to know God? Then put everything else away. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. That's good stuff. The next thing he says is this. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Look at this. And it had been revealed to him by the Spirit. So now you see, not only is the Spirit upon him, but the Spirit is opening his eyes to see something. What is the Spirit opening his eyes to see? Jesus. Simeon is moved to see Jesus before he's even there. And this revelation is so real to Simeon that when the day finally comes, he holds Jesus in his hands. He literally has direct contact with God. And he holds 
Jesus in a sense. He has a revelation of Jesus. Then, you know, he goes on and he tells Mary something about Jesus. He prophesies to her. And the Bible says that Mary was wowed by it. She was like, they were in awe of the things that he he said. Do you know what this means? It means he had a revelation specifically of Jesus that Mary did not have. Now, I'm sure Mary had some revelation of Jesus that he did not have. But it's the beauty of a revelation of Jesus that came by the way that he lived his life. The next thing is this. It had been revealed to him that he uh, would see the Lord's Christ. And he came. Oh, check this out. He was moved by the Spirit to enter the temple. Okay, are you watching what's happening here? He lives a listening life. He's attentive to God. At the exclusion of all other things, God has all his attention. The Holy Spirit rests on him. He's under the divine presence of God. He has a revelation of Jesus. And he's moved by the Spirit. Do you want to be moved by the Spirit? Listen, this kind of stuff makes me salivate. I I talk about stuff like this and I'm just like, oh, I want this so bad. I desire this, guys. How many are with me? Listen. Take everything else. You can have it all. I want his presence. I want the Holy Spirit resting upon me. Simeon shows us how the Spirit's going to rest upon you, how the Spirit is going to open your eyes to Jesus, and how the Spirit is going to move your life. So many people are wondering why God is not literally opening their eyes to see Jesus. It's because they're rushing on without him. Sometimes when you're walking with God, he stops just to see if you're going to keep walking or not. Like, oh my God, this guy, he thinks he's just. And then all the, you're all the way down here and you're just like, all of a sudden you're like, where's God? I can't feel nothing. The Lord is. And then he's all, he's all, he's called, he's like, come back here. You turn around from walking your own way, walking your own way, turn around, that's repentance. And you come back to the Lamb. I will follow you wherever you go, Lord. And then before you know it, he'll walk with you for a little while and then he'll stop. And hopefully you start learning that he stops, you stop. What are we doing? It doesn't matter. You're here. <laughs> I love Mother Besselia Schlink. I know you guys wrote, read, read the book, My All for Him. She goes, you are here. What more could I want? I'm trying to tell you something. That the reason why so many people are missing the Lord is because they want something more than Him. The reason why they're not moved by the Spirit is because they want something more than Him. They won't wait on Him. Brian just told me a story of a man who came to Sadhu Sundar Savaraj and he says to him, I, I pray and I can't get to God. I, you know, I speak, I speak, I pray, I pray. And then the Lord says nothing and I leave. And he says, can you help me? And Sadhu Sundar Salvaraj goes back to God and he says, Lord, will you help this man? He's praying. He's, he's trying to hear you. Can you help him? The Lord took him into a vision in which he saw that man in his closet. And the man was praying unto God. And then all of a sudden, Jesus opens his mouth to speak to him. And the guy goes, all right, I got to go. Just when Jesus was about to open the riches of God's person to him and deposit into him the world to come, he leaves. I'm telling you. This is a small version of what happens in so many Christians' lives. I'm telling you that waiting means this. What does waiting mean? Waiting means I can't do anything without you. 
Waiting means I refuse to do anything myself. Waiting means without you, God, I don't go. Waiting means if you don't do it, I'll do without it. Waiting means you, Lord, are king. Choosing not to wait is self-sufficiency. Choosing not to wait is taking away from God his proper place. Not waiting on God is trying to steal his seat. Waiting on God is the genuine spiritual life, guys. Waiting on God is, I wrote this down here, it is absolute dependency. That's what it is. Waiting on God testifies that there is no way but your way. Where else can I go? Who else do I have? It's only you, Lord. Waiting testifies to God, I don't want to rule. I want you to rule. Waiting testifies to God, I love you. Where do you get this from, Eric? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Do you guys remember a wonderful story of Jacob and Rachel? He sees this girl and he's taken. That girl right there, that's what I want. So he's taken with her beauty. He gets to know, he wants her. He goes to Leban, her father, and he says, I want her. Then he says, all right, I'll give you her seven years, bro. You're going to serve me for seven years, and then you can have her. You know what he does? All right, I'll do it. The Bible says that it was like a day to him. The time went by so fast because his eyes were on her. He looked to her with such intensity that no amount of time could dampen his affection for her. And then even when he's tricked by Leban and he gives him Leah instead of Rachel, he says, I'm not satisfied. I want her. In other words, I don't want something like her. I want her. This is what waiting says. This is why waiting is the language of love. Because I want you, Lord. And I'm not content to have something that's like you. I only want you, and this is how I will show you. I will put my attention upon you, and I don't care what comes. I will look at you and keep my eyes here. There's so many people that say, they start off, yes, I want Rachel. But then a little, you know, time goes by, three and a half years, he's halfway through his time, and another girl comes by, and he's like, oh, snap, maybe I I can get out of this whole thing and just start all over again, and I won't even have to wait for her. I can have her now. This is the beauty of the language of love. Do I have your heart so much that my... My face has all your attention and blinds you to all other faces. The Bible says that all this time went by and he loved her. That love caused him to wait unwaveringly. I can see her coming to him at the end and saying, thank you for loving me 
so much to wait for me. And I can see him saying, a million years couldn't weaken my love for you. This is what God's looking for. Those that love him. (laughs) Those that love him. And they testify of their love by waiting upon him. I'm telling you guys, in the next couple of weeks, maybe even in your life right now, there are things that want your attention. They're coming and they will continue to come. And as a matter of fact, for the rest of your life, there will be things that come and try to take your attention from him. But if you're like Simeon, you will listen. And the Holy Spirit will rest upon you. And he will open your eyes to see him. And you will be moved by God right where you need to be, putting you right in the place that you need to be right at the right time. Listen to me. Most of the things that I've seen in God don't make any sense at all. As a matter of fact, if you look back, you say, I don't even understand how he did that. It doesn't make any sense to me. How many of you see that? He does this on purpose. Because he wants to be the only one glorified. He wants to be the only one that gets all the credit. He will not share the credit with your great brains. As a matter of fact, he says, listen to me. If you love me, you'll lay your brain down at my feet. (laughs) Faith is the submission of the mind. I submit to you. I go underneath you. See, listen. Men do not acquire faith. They are reduced to it. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. Listen, you don't just say, I'm going to be faith. I'm going I'm to grow in my faith. I'm going to get faith. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that, bro. He strips everything away so that all you've got left is him. And then he says, right here, then he says, do I have all your attention? Yes, you do. Let's go. This is the beauty of the Lord. He takes everything away from you on purpose. Let, let me just say this real quick. Sometimes God blinds you to what's coming on purpose. You want to know why? Because he's jealous to have all your attention. I don't understand, Eric. I mean that God will literally block the future because he will not share your attention with it. If he showed you it's coming, you'd look at that and you wouldn't look at him. We already had an example of of Abraham taking his son up to the mountain. Can you see this picture? This picture is incredible. This isn't just his son. This is everything that God had ever installed inside of Abraham. Years and years of walking with God, hearing God's voice, experiencing God, God unfolding the plan of the ages and Abraham's involvement with it. It's all packed up inside of Abraham's son, a supernatural son. And I'm, I'm seeing that before he even came into the world, Abraham, starry-eyed, locked with God. God looks at Abraham. Abraham looks at God. And as A.W. Tozer said, he said, when the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right there on the earth. Locked eyes is glory. I want the glory. Lock eyes. I want this. I want that. The other. No, push it all away. Look at him. We got to look directly at him because an inch off today is a mile tomorrow. You know it. And so what we see is this. One day, 
The starry-eyed bridegroom and the starry-eyed bride were looking at each other. And then once the starry-eyed bride began to look at the sun, God looks down and sees the one who he used to have all of his attention, giving his attention to his son running around. And God looks down and says, wait, 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 you were looking at me. Now you're starry-eyed for your promises. Now you're starry-eyed for your future. Now you're starry-eyed for the stuff I gave you. I've told you this before. You can cheat on God with stuff God gave you. So Abraham is looking. And all of a sudden, God looks down to make eye contact with Abraham. But Abraham's not looking at God. So God says, take him up there and kill him. I'm not, I'm not sharing you with nobody. I'm not sharing you with promises. I'm not sharing you with my own plans. I'll kill all my plans if I don't have you. I don't know, Eric. I don't think I, don't think I should. No, no, this is how God is. I remember Dave Papavisi telling me one time that God had invested so much inside of Moses. Years. 40 years he invested inside of Moses. And when Moses doesn't circumcise his son, God comes down to kill him. But his wife, Zipporah, circumcises him, throws the foreskin down, and it saves Moses' life. All this to say that God, God, may take 40 years to develop something inside of you. But if he doesn't have your heart of listening and obedience, he'll throw it all away. Eric, I, don't, I just don't think it's true. I have, guys, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing it home right here. I have seen people fast and pray and lock up and touch God in a wonderful way and God install riches on the inside of them. I've seen them tear cast off of people. I've seen them stand behind pulpits and preach people blind. I have literally seen the glory of God come through different people that in a little bit of time, something got their attention. They went off a little bit here and now today they're getting drunk in the bars and sleeping with all kinds of girls. They don't walk with God. They lost everything. Why? Because they lost attentiveness to him. I'm telling you, here's the word of the Lord, guys. Simeon. Listen, Shama. Give all your attention to him and keep it there. You know what listening is? Listening is sustained exclusion. You're sustaining the exclusion of all other things. That's what I've come here to tell you. I've come, I've come here to encourage you not to, not to slight anybody, not to fight anybody, but to literally bring everybody up into a high, a high life. What is that high life? The exclusion of all other things. Put everything else away. But, but you may be saying, Eric, I just don't know. What else could there be? I mean, you know. Maybe your desire for God to do this, your desire for that, I'm telling you, waiting on God means God is your only desire. Nothing will expose the things you want from God like waiting on God. If you want something other than God, you'll not wait on him. Just ask Noah. Remember, he sends the bird out, the dove representative of the spirit, and the sparrow comes back or the raven comes back. He could have easily went on because of a desire to get out of the boat, because of a desire to, to actually obtain something of dry land or whatever was left. He could have went with it, but he chose to wait for the dove. Which shows me something. Waiting is interest in the Holy Spirit. 
Choosing not to wait is disinterest in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means I don't care what you want. I'm going forward without you. This is not the language of love. So this is what I want to do. Just turn your hands up like this. And we're going to pray. And then I'm going to just preach a a short gospel message, okay? Father, I pray for every person here right now. And I pray that you would help them see anything that may be there in the heart that they want from you that is taking your place, God. Lord, I pray, strip them down to naked faith, God. Strip every person down to naked trust. I want you to say this with me. Say, God, strip me down to naked trust. I know the Lord will do it. I know the Lord will do it. Because he's jealous for you. If there's anybody waiting on anybody, it's him waiting on you. (laughs) In Song of Solomon, the last chapter, it says that the bridegroom has come into his garden. They have heard your voice. She says, let me hear your voice. He waits for you. Yes, Lord, I worship you. I give you honor and glory, Lord. Take away all the flash, all the crash, all the sound, all the stuff. Strip it all away, Lord. Oh, take away even my own efforts and strivings. Lord, grant me trust that is strong enough to end my efforts. Bring me into the delight. In the enjoyment of you, Lord, I worship you. Oh, na na, you say. In Jesus' name. So when I was um, in middle school, I was a Michael Jordan fanatic. My entire room had Jordan posters, every wall. Do you guys know Michael Jordan? Okay. <laughs> My mom had bought me this pure white Michael Jordan shirt, the jump man in the middle is my favorite shirt. I literally walked down the hallways, wanted everybody to see my Jordan shirt, just wanted everybody to see it. And then one day when lunchtime came, I was a little careless with my spaghetti, if you, if you know what I mean. I spilled spaghetti all down the side of it. So I did what you probably would have done. I ran straight to the bathroom, took it off put some water on it. You know what happened, right? You put some water on it. It got worse. So I figured, hey, there's some soap here. Let's get a little bit of soap, maybe soap, clean stuff. It'll probably take it off. Got some soap, and I scrubbed it, and I scrubbed it. You guys know what happened, right? Now it was discolored, and throughout the day, it became, you know, crusty and stuff. And and I get home, and as soon as I get home, my mom looks at me. She goes, Eric, how was your day? I said, oh, mom, it was terrible. You know the 
The Jordan shirt you got me? Completely ruined it. Done. She says, oh yeah, what happened to it? I said, I was a little careless with my spaghetti and I, I spilled spaghetti on it. My mom looks at me and she goes, oh, give me the shirt. And I said, oh mom, you don't understand. I already put water on it. And she says, no, Eric, give me the shirt. I said, no, 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 I already put soap on it too. I, I, I scrubbed it. it it's, it's, it's ruined. She says to me, Eric, Give me the shirt. <laughs> so I surrendered the shirt into my mother's hands. And she performed a miracle that mothers only really know how it's done. And when she came back to me, she gave me that shirt white as snow. <clears throat> Friends, I just preached the gospel to you. <laughs> So, you can tell there's people in here that have been saved by this gospel because they're clapping about that. (laughs) Check this out. The Bible says, though your sins be red like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. It's a promise. He loves to take your sins from you. He likes cleaning stains. He's a stain cleaner. (laughs) He loves you to give him your sin. As a matter of fact, by virtue of the fact that he is Savior, your weakness attracts him to you. What do you mean, Eric? I mean that if you have an issue, he's running to help you. He's not running away from you. Because his nature is, I want to save people. I save people. That's what I do. And so when somebody's in need because of sin, he rushes to them. And so it is. If you will turn over the stains into his hands, your stained life into his hands, he will perform a miracle that only he knows how it's done. He will take those stains and make them white as snow. You may have been scrubbing and scrubbing trying to get them out. With your own efforts and strivings, I'm going to get this out. No, you're not. No, you're not. You can't. Cover up your sin, you have to get it washed clean. Reinhard Bunke says, Jesus did not come to shame sinners, but to save them. So maybe you're here right now and you've been a little careless with your mind. Maybe you've been careless with your speech. Maybe you've been careless with your heart. You know what I mean. Maybe you've been careless with things that you've let in, things you've let out. Maybe you've been careless... And even the smallest way, and you know there's something there that God wants to take from you. He wants to get it out. And only his blood can do this. <laughs>